There is a lesson, an exhortation I've been using and trying with you and presenting to you for probably about five or six years. And those are the three prayer requests you can take to the bank. You're probably tired of hearing it, but Lord willing, I'd like to make an application because it'll be a theme that runs through the four presentations I have to give in the next four days in the ministry, in the prison. Uh, the first one is, is God promises to give us wisdom when we ask. That's James 1.5. He promised to give us the Holy Ghost when we ask for it. That's a Luke 11.13. And he promises to give us forgiveness when we confess our sins. That's 1 John 1.9. And it turns out that uh, when I look at uh, Peter's life, Peter had one tough 24 hours before Jesus Christ was crucified. You know, we tend to think of him denying the Lord three times, and everybody knows that, and we figured, okay, he had to wrestle that for three days. But that's really only the tip of the iceberg if you thought of everything that he did in the 24 hours prior to Jesus' death. If you remember, he got into an argument with his disciples about who was the best preacher. And Jesus had to correct him on that. And then Jesus, in correcting that, showed him foot washing, and Peter spoke up again and says, no, you can't wash my feet. And then he jumped in the other ditch, and he says, okay, wash my whole body. And Jesus had to correct him again. And then we look at him, and he says, I will never forsake thee. But then on one bench, he's rending, right? But then on the other hand, he's pulling out a sword, whacking off someone's ears, and Jesus saying, no, no, that's not how we roll here. We don't do it that way. I hope that didn't sound relevant. And then he says, Jesus says, I'm going to pray. And then he chastised them again for falling asleep on him. Okay? And then he denied them the three times. So if you think about that, Jesus has been mentoring Peter for three and a half years. And in that 24 hours... He had all those failures. He had all those exhortations. And Jesus is in the grave and he dies. And he's just sorrow upon sorrow. Scripture says he wept bitterly. And if you remember on that third denial when their eyes locked, and he just, he just, he just lost it. He fell apart. Poor Peter, right? Well, what I would like to do is I want to look at Peter in that particular case. And I want to look what it took to get out of that. Now, remember the three prayer requests I just told you about? Peter did not have the sense to ask for those three things. Okay? Wisdom, Holy Spirit, and forgiveness. But God's going to give him those three things anyway. So what's the moral for you? Hopefully after this message, you'll have the sense to ask for those three things. Because you can ask for them any time. So that's what I'm going to tell it to you. Lord willing, we'll look at Scripture to see if it's so. And then maybe we can stop and take a look at our own lives. You know, it is amazing. You think, man, that's a pretty short list, Brother Dolph. Only three things he promises to say yes to. I am really taxing my brain to find a situation where one of those threes isn't the medicine you need. Right? Thank you, Sister Cindy. Those three things will get you just about every situation. Get you out of every situation. So those are pretty important things, and those are those prayer requests you can take to the bank. So with that being said, let's look at before Jesus died. And here's the argument. Verse 24 says, There was also a strife among them, which should be the greatest. Okay, so so the disciples are sitting around, and and, and they're at this Passover meal, and uh, you know they're elbowing each other and says, I'm a better preacher than you. 
Oh, yeah, you might be a pretty good preacher, but I can pastor better than you. He just said, all that silly. Can you imagine that? I think I just want to gag and throw up. It's nauseating. But, but this is what they were arguing about. So Jesus talks to him and he says, no, 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 the greatest among you is the one that's going to be served. And then he gives him that explanation. And right on the heels of this, he says this to Peter. He says, and the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for thee that thy faith fail not. And when thou art converted, strengthen the brethren. Peter's thinking, when I'm converted, I just had an argument. I'm the best preacher here. And you think I need to be converted? He's got a lot of stock in himself. Yes. Well, he's going to brought low, 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 very low. And God's going to bring him up. But notice what it takes to do that. Okay. So that's where I'm at. So let's go forward now, the three days. And this should be familiar. I think we went through this in pretty good detail about two or three years ago. I can't remember. It was one spring. But I want to look at the confusion that happened the resurrection morning. So if you have your Bibles and you want to follow along with me, go to John 20, and we're just going to read this passage. Now, please don't go into automatic pilot, because the way you're used to hearing it is not the way Scripture records it. Okay? All right. John 20 and verse 1. The first day of the week cometh Mary Magdalene early, when it was yet dark, unto the sepulcher, and seeth the stone taken away from the sepulcher. And she runneth and cometh to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved, and saith unto them, They have taken away the Lord out of the sepulcher, and we know not where they have laid him. So when we read this, it's, notice what it says. It says, when she got there, it was dark, and he was already gone. And she jumped to conclusions, and she said, someone stole the body. So she runs back and gets Peter, and I believe the one whom Jesus loved, that would be the Apostle John, and she runs back, and she gets them, and she tells them an incorrect report. She said, someone stole the body. And she's panic-stricken. And it's still dark, so I don't know what time it is. Let's say 5, 5.30 in the morning. It gets Peter out of bed. Peter gets out, he puts his shoes on, and he runs to the tomb. We're going to pick up here. Verse 3, Peter therefore went forth and that other disciple and came to the sepulcher. So they ran both together, and the other disciple did outrun Peter and came first to the sepulcher. John's a younger guy. He got there first. And he, stooping down, looking in, saw the linen clothes, yet yet what not in. Verse 6, Then cometh Simon Peter, following him, and went into the sepulcher, and seeth the linen clothes lie, and the napkin that was laid about his head, not lying with the linen clothes, but wrapped together in a place by itself. Then went in also the other disciple, this was John finally goes in there, and came came first to the sepulcher, and he saw and believed. Hang on. For as yet they knew not the scripture that he must rise again from the dead. Then the disciples went again to their own home. Now again, notice here in verse 9 it says they saw and they believed. What did they believe? They believed the lie. Because the next verse says they didn't understand the resurrection yet. So wait a second. Wait a second. Is this really what happened? Peter gets up in the morning 
real early in the rolls them out of bed, runs to the tomb, looks in there, was told that the body was stolen. He looks in there and he goes, yep, the body's stolen. And he goes back home believing the lie. You thought he was sorrow upon sorrow with all the guilt that he had? Add this one to it, and now he's really down in the dumps. It's about as low as you can get. But God's going to start bringing him out. Okay? So let's keep going here. I'm still in John 20. Let me start reading now at verse 11. But Mary stood without the sepulcher weeping, and as she wept, stooped down and looked into the sepulcher, and she seeth two angels in white, the one at the head, the other at the feet, where the body of Jesus was lain, had lain. And he said unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? She saith unto him, Because they have taken away my Lord, and I know not where they left. She's still believing the incorrect report, Right? She got there early. She assumed it was stolen. She told the two brethren it was stolen. They come back. They go home believing that it was stolen. And she's sitting there and she's still moping, weeping. They stole the body. She sees the angels and she says, where are they? Someone stole the body. Verse 15. Oops, I'm sorry, I didn't read verse 14 yet, did I? And when she had thus said, she turned herself back and saw Jesus standing and knew not that it was Jesus. Jesus said unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? Whom seekest thou? She, supposing him to be the gardener, saith unto him, Sir, if thou have borne him thence, tell me where thou hast laid him. She still believes that someone stole the body. Now, i got to make this point, y'all, because I've made it before. The reality was there was not another place on planet Earth that could have been safer than where she was at right there. She had angels behind her and she had Jesus in front of her, but she was an emotional wreck. Has that ever been us? We got God in front of us, we got God behind of us, we got him to the right, to the left, below us, above us, in us, outside of us, and we're an emotional wreck. What is that? Amen? Well, that was Mary. Verse 16, she saith unto her, Mary, she turned herself and saith unto him, Rabbi, which is to say, Master, or Rabboni. Jesus saith unto her, touch me not, for I am not yet ascended to my father, but go to the brethren and say unto them, I ascend to my father and your father and to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord and that he had spoken things unto her. So she goes back. And she tells the disciples, and she says, no, no, the first time I was wrong. I said, they sold the body. That's not right. Jesus rose from the dead. You know what's amazing? They believed the lie, but they didn't believe the truth. Poor Mary. Poor Peter. So let's read another account. John is an epistle, or it's a a gospel letter that's unique from the other three. It's almost as if John stood back and he just kept all the stuff that the other three Gospels talked about. It's like he ignored them and he gave us all these important pieces of information that those three left out, right? So when I read the other three Gospels, they all three pick up with Mary and the women talking to the angels and they just leave the part out with Mary showing up early and coming back. That's the only way it makes sense to me. Okay, so we're going to go read the other accounts, and we're going to see that. So let's go to Luke's account, Luke 24, and let's read it. It's going to give us a little more information. 
Now upon the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they came to the sepulcher bringing spices, which they prepared certain others with them. And they found the stone rolled away from the sepulcher, and they entered in and found not the body of the Lord. We, We all read that in John, but John had a little more information about the trip from Mary and Peter and John coming back. But this is where they're at. And they entered in and found not the body of the Lord Jesus. And it came to pass, as they were much perplexed thereabout, behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. And as they were afraid and bowed down their faces to the earth, they say unto them, Why seek ye the living among the dead? Verse 6, He is not here, but is risen. Remember how he spake unto you when he was yet in Galilee. He said, Ladies, he told you that he was going to be mocked and scourged and spit upon and crucified and laid in a tomb. And three days and three nights later, he was going to rise from the dead. Why did you come here weeping? You know, poor Mary. Poor Mary was looking for comfort in a corpse. And you know what she found? She found a resin savior. It seems like some of the ladies should have come saying, okay, let's see the Jesus, but not one of them did, nor the disciples. You know, I'm doing, I would have. I always say I would, because I wouldn't have been just like them, right? But it seems like somewhere in that crowd, there should have been someone say, okay, it's three days and three nights. He said three days and three nights. Let's go and let's watch and wait for him. They were too scared. They were too scared. You know what they needed? They needed wisdom, the Holy Ghost, and forgiveness. That's what they needed, and we're going to find out. Okay? Men, women, everybody. You, me, everybody. And it says, verse 8 says, They remembered his words and returned from the sepulcher and told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. So this time they're heading back and they're giving the accurate report. Guess what happens? They don't believe the ladies. It's easier to believe the lie than it was the truth. Okay. Okay, I want to show you, it says, just to show you, at at least three occasions, Jesus preached his resurrection after three days. Okay? And I got them from the same gospel so you can know these aren't parallel accounts. But if you go to Mark 8 and verse 31, this is after Jesus was having a discussion with his disciples. And he says, who do men say that I am? And they have this discussion. Some said Elias, some said Jeremiah. They have this discussion. And finally he says, okay. And this is what he says in verse 31. And he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected of the elders and the chief priests and scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. This is at least one occasion where he preached his resurrection after three days. Let's go to Mark chapter 9, verses 31 and 32. This is right after an occasion where Jesus cast out a demon out of a young man. The father was standing by there. And the, and the disciples tried to cast him out, and they couldn't do it. And after he says, this time cometh forth, but by prayer and fasting. And then he teaches them the resurrection again. This is, here it is in Mark nine thirty one. For he taught his disciples and said unto them, the Son of Man is delivered into the hands of men. Then shall kill him, they shall kill him. And after this he is killed, he shall rise the third day. But they understood not the saying and were afraid to ask him. Okay, so this is at least two times where it was preached to the disciples. And then here's a third one in Mark chapter 10. 
This is actually as they're going to Jerusalem to be crucified. So this was just days or weeks before. It's not like this is something that they forgot a year and a half ago. They're on their way to Jerusalem. And notice what it says here. Saying, Behold, we go to Jerusalem, that the Son of Man shall be delivered unto the chief priests and unto the scribes, and they shall condemn him to death, and shall deliver him to the Gentiles. And they shall mock him, and shall scourge him, and shall spit upon him, and shall kill him, and the third day he shall rise again. So they had at least three occasions where it was preached, one of them just a few days before. And guess what happens? He's crucified, and they forgot. They forgot. Sounds like a high school teacher talking about teenage students in about ninth, eighth or ninth grade, huh? Okay. Don't you remember? I just taught that to you. Okay, so we read John's account. We read Luke's account. Let's read Mark's account now. So in Mark 16, and basically verses 1 through 4 says that the women showed up early in the morning and they saw the stone was already rolled away. So let's pick up in verse 5. Mark 16 and verse 5. And entering into the sepulcher, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, clothed in a long white garment, and they were affrightened. We read that before, right? And he saith unto him, Be not affrightened. You see, Jesus of Nazareth, he was crucified, he is risen, he is not here. Behold the place where they laid him. But notice what it says here in verse 7. But go your way, tell his disciples and Peter that he goeth before you to Galilee, that shall, ye shall see him as he said unto you. Notice what the angels say. Go tell the disciples, but make sure you especially tell Peter. Why Peter? Because Peter's down in the dumps because of all those six failures that he had. He got chastened right before Jesus was crucified, but he also went to the tomb once and left thinking that someone stole the body. So the women go to him a second time, this time with an accurate report, and they say, someone stole the body. Nope, not this time. That was what he heard the first time. Now think about it from Peter's standpoint. You come to me and you give me this wild report that someone stole the body, and you come back an hour later and say, nope, nope, I was wrong. Jesus has risen from the dead. What are you going to say? You're going to say, yeah, right, pal. Huh? Yes, that's, that's what I'm going to do. I'm not going to jump in whole hog, right? Maybe give me a little hope. But you know what? What did it say in Luke 22? It says, Peter, I'm praying for you that your faith fail not, that when you're converted, strengthen the brethren. He's still in no position to strengthen the brethren. He's still not converted yet. I didn't say he's not born again. I said he's not converted yet. We'll get to that in a second. Okay? Verse 8, it says, And they went out quickly and fled from the sepulcher, for they trembled and were amazed. Neither said anything to any man, and they were afraid. Verse 9, Now when Jesus was risen early the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he cast seven devils. And she went and told them that were with him as they mourned and wept. And they, when they had heard that he was alive, had seen her believed not. Mary came to the disciples and told them that Jesus is risen from the dead. I saw him 
And they said, yeah, right, Mary. We don't believe you. They believed the lie, but they didn't believe the truth. But notice what Peter does. Notice what Peter does. Verse 12. Then Peter arose and ran unto the sepulcher, and stooping down, he beheld the linen clothes laid by themselves and departed, wondering in himself at that which was come to pass. This is, this is what I believe. I believe Peter ran to the tomb twice that morning. He got the bad report. He went to the tomb. He went back home. The ladies talked to the angels, gave him a second report. I believe he ran to the tomb a second time. It's the only way I can make all the Gospels fit. But I find it interesting. The first time he left believing, this time he left wondering. Is is that us? Is that ever us? I think it can be. Amen? Not only, this is something that's probably going to be something you hadn't thought about. And again, I want you to go back and read your Bibles and see if it's so. I also believe, and I think I've shared with you before, Peter had a private audience with Jesus Christ. Just like Mary had a private audience with Jesus Christ, I think Peter had a private audience with Jesus Christ. Why? Two reasons. Notice what it says in 1 Corinthians 15. This is what we call the resurrection chapter. And that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures, and that he was seen of Cephas, that's Peter, then of the twelve, after that he was seen above five hundred brethren at once. So in Paul's record of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, he says Peter saw him, and then all the disciples saw him. Let me give you my second reason why I believe Peter had a private audience. This is in Luke 24. Do you remember the two people that were on the road to Amazus, and they were really sad, and Jesus started walking with them, and he says, why are you guys so sad? And they talked, and they ate, and they had a meal, and he opened up their understanding. And they said, it's Jesus. And he says, go tell my disciples. They ran to the upper room. And when they ran to the upper room, they come busting in the door. And you know what they said? Yeah, yeah, what Peter's telling you, we saw him too. Peter's telling the disciple, he saw the risen Christ. And you know what? It says when you're converted, strengthen the brethren. And he's not strengthening the brethren. Why? Because he's not converted yet. What's going to take to convert him? Wisdom, the Holy Ghost, and forgiveness. Amen? Okay, let me read this. Luke 24, 33. And they rose up. That's the two that were on the road to Emmaus. I believe one's name was Cleopas. I don't know the name of the second guy. The same hour and returned to Jerusalem and found the eleven gathered together and them that with them saying, the Lord is risen indeed and hath appeared unto Simon. And they told what things were done in the way and how he was known of them in breaking bread. So they, these two come busting in that upper room and says, yeah, yeah, what Peter saw, we saw too. And guess what? The disciples didn't believe. They didn't believe the women. They didn't believe these two. And they didn't believe Peter. I think I'd get my feelings hurt if I'd been ministering with you in a half years and I gave you, but I saw Jesus. And he says, right, Peter. How many witnesses does it take? Okay. So there we go. Let's go to our three prayer requests. Now, I already said this to you. Peter, at this time in his life, didn't have the sense to pray for these three things. So God's going to give him to him anyway. 
But I want to share them to you one more time. Here are the verses. James 1.5, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask God that giveth to all men liberally, and abradeth not, and it shall be given him. You know, again, I share this. Some, you know, somebody may be sick. One of you may have cancer. God may say yes, but he didn't promise to say yes. One of you may have um, lost a job. Maybe you have a rebellious teenage child. Maybe, um, I don't know, there's some other need in your life, economic. I don't, I don't know. God did not promise to say yes. He might say yes, but he didn't promise to say yes. But when you go to God and you say, Lord, i got to make a decision here. I, I don't know what to do. Lord, I just want to do what you want me to do. I just don't know what that is. And I usually throw this when I go, Lord, I'm not the sharpest pencil in the drawer. Just make it plain. And you know what? He's answered that every single time. Sometimes it's a sermon. Sometimes it's scripture. Sometimes it's a brother. Sometimes it's a radio preacher. But he's answered it every That's one of those prayers, prayer requests you can take to the bank. You can expect a yes answer. Okay? Number two, Luke eleven thirteen. If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? And again, hopefully you've been around me enough. This is not talking about regeneration. An unregenerate person doesn't have the sense to ask for the Holy Spirit. I don't believe. But I'm talking about someone that is born again, and you say, Lord, I'm scared. I need your spirit. Give me the peace that passes understanding. Lord, I'm afraid. Give me the Holy Spirit that gives me courage. And you know what? He's promised to answer that every single time. Lord, I need your spirit. And you think, oh no, that's what the charismatics do. We're not a charismatic, we're Baptists. No, that's what Bible believers do. Yes, we're the Holy Spirit. Don't we pray that all the time? Lord, this, 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 this Yankee's coming into our pulpit. Bless him with the Holy Spirit so he can preach. Right? Lord, I'm sitting there listening to the preacher, whoever it is. Lord, bless me with the Holy Spirit so I can hear it and understand it and receive it. And Lord, give me the strength to apply it to my luck. We ask for the Holy Spirit all the time. Josiah, let's suppose you got a really important final coming up. You say, Lord, this is an important test. If I don't do this, I've got to take this math class all over again. Lord, fill me with the Spirit. He didn't promise you're going to pass that test. You've got to study to do that. But if you say, Lord, fill me with the Spirit to bring remembrance all the things I've studied, he promised that. But if you didn't study anything, you got nothing to bring to remembrance. You got that? I'm sorry, I'm picking on you, but you're the first student I saw. You're the closest student to the front row. You understand? We don't... I want you to give in confidence in asking God for these things, but I don't want you to ask amiss either. And I'm trying to give you context. Okay? So... Again, he doesn't promise healing. He doesn't promise economic success. He doesn't promise a spouse. Sometimes he says yes. Sometimes he says no. Sometimes he says not yet. But he doesn't say no and not yet when you ask for the Holy Spirit. Lord, fill me with your spirit. You can expect that. Okay? And then number three is forgiveness. 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all righteousness. 
And I, I share this with you all the time. Lord, God could never forgive me. I just messed up too much. Lord, God could never give me a second chance because I've used up too many second chances. Y'all, that's a lie from the pit of hell. Satan wants you to give up. Got news for you. Jesus' blood is stronger than your sin. Let me say that again. Jesus' blood is stronger than your sins. Okay? Sins. Okay. So that's one you can take to the bank. And that takes faith. It takes faith that he said it and he believes it. And you believe it. And I ask you this question. Can you find another promise in Scripture where God made it to you and he didn't keep it? The answer is no. So I'm taking that one to the bank too. Okay? All right. Let's go to Luke 24. So not only is he going to do this for Peter, he's going to give him all three of these things. He's going to do it for all the disciples because they all need it. So now they're in the upper room. And not one of them has enough sense to ask James 1.4. I'm sorry, James 1.5, because it hasn't been written yet. Yes, I don't have that New Testament like you do, but now you have it. Responsibility is yours. I can't tell you how many times Jesus felt sorry for me. Maybe I didn't pray for James 1.5, but he just gave it to me anyway. That's what he's doing for the disciples. But now you know to ask for it. James 1.5. I'm sorry, Luke 24. Let me start at 40. I want to run down to verse 45. 45 is the one I really want. And when he had thus spoken, this is when he showed him his hands and his feet, right? Verse 41. And while they yet believed not for joy and wondered, yet he said unto them, have you here any meat? They saw his hands, they saw his feet, they saw his side. And they're still a little scary. He says, okay, give me something to eat. I want to show you I'm real. I'm not a ghost. Give me something to eat. They give him a piece of broiled fish and a honeycomb. And he took it, and he did eat before them. And he said unto them, These are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you, that all these things must be fulfilled, which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. Then opened he their understanding, they might understand the scriptures. You know what I think happened? I think they're sitting there, and all of a sudden, all these Old Testament passages were going click, 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 and everything was falling into place. Psalm 22, Isaiah 53, Daniel 9, right? Genesis 3. All of a sudden, boom, 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 everything was falling up. It was like the scales were removed and they saw it. Isn't that the way scripture is sometimes? Lord, give me wisdom. How many times have you read a passage and all of a sudden, whoa, is that what that, you understand? You can pray for that. That's what I believe happened right here. Okay? I'm continuing on here. Verse 46, And said unto them, Thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remissions of sins should be preached in his name among all nations, beginning in Jerusalem. And ye are witnesses of these things. And behold, I send promise of my Father unto you, but tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until ye be endued with power from on high. He said, I want you to hang around for another seven days because there's a Pentecost thing. And when the Pentecost comes, the whole church is going to be empowered with the Holy Spirit. And you get another ministry of the Holy Spirit. Now, again, I want you to understand there are many ministries of the Holy Spirit. And I love using the apostles for the example. And I go back to the same old thing. 
Jesus is walking along a seashore. And he sees some fishermen. He says, come follow me. And you know what they did? That's evidence of having the Spirit. And then he had ordained them and made them ministers. So they preached and they baptized. Another ministry of the Holy Spirit. And then he gave them powers to cast out unclean spirits and, and heal people. Another ministry of the Holy Spirit. And then what happens is they're going to be in another room and they're going to get another ministry of the Holy Spirit. This is not when they're regenerated. This is when someone's down and out and they need to be filled with the Spirit above and beyond to give them the comfort and the peace and the joy of understanding. Lord, I'm so sad. I'm so sad. Lord, fill me with your Spirit. Let me go over here to John's account. This is in the upper room. I'm in John 20 and verse 19. Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, came Jesus and stood in the midst of them and saith unto them, Peace unto you. And when he had said so, he showed unto them his hands and his side. This is just where we were, right? In Luke 24. Then were the disciples glad, and they saw the Lord. Then said Jesus to them again, Peace be unto you, as my Father hath sent me, even so I send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them, and saith unto them, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. Y'all, this is not when they were born again. They were already preaching. They were already following him for three and a half years. They were already performing miracles. You know what? This is when they were scared. They were frightened. They were in an upper room with the doors bolted because they were afraid of the Jews. You know what happened from this moment on? They didn't worry about bolting doors anymore. They didn't worry about those Jews anymore. They preached Christ. That fear was gone. Why? Wisdom, the Holy Ghost, and forgiveness. Let's see Peter's forgiveness. I see it threefold. I didn't see Jesus come down and just say, Peter, I forgive you. I see three other things that he did. We already talked about them. Number one, Luke twenty two thirty one. he was praying for him before he fell. You think Jesus can forgive you before you sin? <laughs> that's strange. <laughs> He's God, that's right. He's God. He, was pray- he knew he was going to fall, and he was praying for him before. And then he goes to the women. He says, women... Go tell the disciples, but not that sorry Peter. I've given up on him. No, he says, make sure you go tell Peter too. And there he goes, lickety split back to the tomb. Yeah, I I wish I had a movie of that. The second time he went back, he says, wait a second. If someone stole the body, no one steals a body and then folds a napkin really neat over here and puts the other thing over here. They just take the whole thing and they run because they don't want to get caught. And the second, he's leaving wondering, what, what's going on here? And then what happens? Jesus comes to him personally and says, Peter, I'm here. Mary was wrong. I told you all those times. The Old Testament said, oh, this is the whole thing. This is why I'm here. Your job is to be a witness of my resurrection and tell people of it. You were told and you didn't believe. So we go to Thomas and that's, that's, that's one of the things I always have to say. I believe Thomas got a bum rap. Right? What do we call it? Doubting Thomas. Did he doubt? Yeah, he doubted. 
But his bum rap was, he was called out for it when all the 11 did the same thing. So I think he got a bum rap because he was singled out. From, I'm, I'm from Christians, you understand? Okay, so that's it. Let's go back. Our three. Yeah, I just, I'm just trying to stress how important these are. And this is what I will do time and time again over the next four days in the prison. You will be amazed at how many situations you'll be in where one of these three promises, where God promises to say, we'll get you out of the jam you're in. The situation you're wrestling with. Number one, James 1, five, he promises you wisdom. And not only does he promise you wisdom, he says, I will give it to you liberally. I'm not going to be stingy. Verse 2, he promised you the Holy Spirit. And then number 3, he promises forgiveness when you fall short. Not if you fall short, when you fall short. So get over your bad self and just confess it. My wife is a way better forgiver than I am. But I, she didn't hold it over me. She doesn't, she doesn't hold it over me. She doesn't bring it up back a week later. She doesn't bring it back a year later. She's a great forgiver. So why do I hesitate to say, Deborah, I'm sorry? Okay, she's pretty good at it compared to me. But then look at God's promise above and beyond when I'm sharing about my wife. He's promised that. I'd like to think I'm doing that. I'd like to think I'm striving for it. But God said he would do it, and he hasn't broken a single promise yet. So I end with Peter, Peter, Richard. <laughs> Peter, Peter, Doug. <laughs> Peter, Peter, and it's all of us, right? One will remember. Those are three prayer requests you can take to the bank. May the Lord bless you. Thank you.